Good morning, I'm Wimala, and today is Tuesday, February the 15th. So, we're getting closer to spring. It's sunny, uh, some snow, some, some snow, some clear on the ground here, but it's a beautiful sunny day. Still winter, but the days are longer. Someone mentioned that last night at our book group. That's, uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing is winter, as we get further along in winter, then the days begin to give us more sunshine during the day. So I started yesterday reading from the Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree by Bhikkhu, uh, Bodha, Buddha Dasa. The Slave of the Buddha is how you translate his name. And I think that means slave in a good way, <laughs> like totally devoted to his teacher. And he was a very famous Thai monk. He died in 93. So um, he has written many books, and there, a lot of them are compilations of his talks or his, his, uh, and his writing, and they've been translated into English. And they're, they're very well-written and very uh, clear to me. So, Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree, the Buddha's teaching, teaching on voidness, or what we often think of, it's sunyata. And we often think of that as that concept of no self. And it's often very, uh, it's difficult to, to really uh, wrap your hands around that, wrap your mind around it. So this is chapter two. The chapter I read yesterday is called Fundamental Principles. And two is the spiritual doctor. Doctor. So this is interesting. We'll see how much of it we want to read. And I'll try to watch the time so we have time to sit. The Spiritual Doctor. In the commentaries, and these are the books that are just uh, explaining in more detail the teachings of the Buddha, the Buddha is called the Spiritual Doctor because he cures the illness of the spirit. Following some of the Buddha's teachings and their subsequent explanations in the commentaries, there arose a distinction between two kinds of disease physical disease and mental disease. In these texts, the term mental disease does not have the same meaning that it has today. This, that's important. It's not what we think of as mental health. In the time of the Buddha, mental disease referred to an illness of view, understanding, aditi. When we talk about uh, right view, it's... Uh, Samaditi. So it's right view, an illness of view would mean wrong view or some distortion of a view, an understanding of truth. So mental disease in the time of the Buddha, mental disease referred to an illness of view or understanding or defilement and craving. These days, however, it, it refers to ordinary mental ailments that have their base in the body and are mixed up with physical disease. To prevent differences in terminology from hindering our understanding of the term illness of the spirit, 
I would like to introduce a third term. Let us consider physical and mental diseases as both being physical and use the term spiritual disease as an equivalent of the term mental disease as it was used in the Buddha's time. So in this book, when we talk about mental, uh, he's going to use spiritual disease just to mean the same thing as mental disease as it was used in the Buddha's time. So just forget about mental health. Spiritual disease. The words spiritual and mental have very different meanings. Mental refers to the mental factors connected to and associated with the body. If we suffer from mental illnesses, we go to a psychiatric hospital or an asylum. It's not a spiritual matter. The word spirit here doesn't mean anything like a ghost or a being that takes possession of people. It refers to the subtle aspects of the mind that is ill through the power of defilement, in particular through ignorance or wrong view. The, the mind composed of ignorance or wrong view suffers from the spiritual disease. It sees falsely. So literally, when it looks at, looks at things, it looks at the world, at people, at, at, at any object, it's, it's seeing falsely. Seeing falsely causes it to think falsely, speak falsely, and act falsely. Consequently, the disease lies right there in the false thought, false speech, and false action. You will see immediately that everyone without exception has the spiritual disease. As for physical and mental diseases, they only occur in some people some of the time. They are not so terrible. They don't give people the constant suffering with every inhalation and exhalation and exhalation that spiritual disease does. Thus, physical and mental diseases are not dealt with in Buddhism. The Buddha's teachings are the cure for the spiritual disease, and the Buddha is the doctor of the spirit. Remembering that the commentators called the Buddha the spiritual doctor will make it easier for us to understand each other, for everyone suffers from the spiritual disease, and everyone has to cure it spiritually. That cure is Dhamma, the single handful of the Buddha's teachings that must be realized, used, and digested so as to overcome the disease. That's a wonderful paragraph. The cure is Dhamma, the single handful of the Buddha's teachings that must be realized, used, and digested so as to overcome the disease. You must pay further attention to the point that, these days, humanity pays no heed to spiritual disease, and so things are getting worse, both for the individual and for society. When everyone has a spiritual disease, the whole world has it. It's a diseased world, both mentally and spiritually. Rather than lasting peace, we have permanent crisis. 
Moreover, as we strive and struggle, we can't find peace for even a moment. It's a waste of breath to talk about lasting peace while every side has the spiritual disease. So it's all just a matter of creating dukkha for oneself and one side, as well as for the other side. It's as if a dukkha-making machine, dukkha's suffering, it's as if a dukkha-making machine has appeared in the world. How then can the world find peace? It hasn't changed since uh, Buddha Dasa passed away in 1993. Nothing's changed, right? The solution lies in finding the spiritual disease within the hearts of all the world's people. What can cure it? There must be an antidote for this disease. The cure is the one handful of Dhamma, that one handful of leaves as compared to all of the leaves in the forest and all of the trees and bushes in the world. The cure is the one handful of Dhamma. This then is the answer to the question of why today the teachings are not as much of a refuge for people as Buddhism intends. It's true that many people believe that Buddhism is developing and spreading much more than previously, and that those who have a correct intellectual understanding of it are more numerous than before. And it's true that there is much study of the teachings and a greater understanding of them. However, if we don't realize that we have the spiritual disease, how will we take the teachings and make use of them? If we don't realize that we are ill, we won't go to see the doctor and we won't take any medicine. For the most part, people don't see their illness and merely develop a fad for collecting medicine. Great. These images are wonderful, aren't they? Although Dhamma is an effective medicine that needs to be taken internally, we merely listen to it and study it externally as an intellectual endeavor without feeling that we are ill and in need of the medicine. We unmindfully accept the medicine in order to store it away and clutter up the place. In some cases, we use it merely as a subject for discussion or as the basis for argument and dispute. This is why Dhamma is not yet a fully effective means to cure the world. If we are going to study Dhamma and establish Buddhist groups, we should know the ultimate aim so that the work can proceed decisively. We should direct our efforts so that Dhamma can help to treat spiritual diseases directly and quickly. Don't leave the aim so undefined that you don't know in which direction to go. Let there be just one handful of sacred nectar. Use correctly and use decisively. Then our Buddhist practice will be truly beneficial and above ridicule. These are wonderful words. I think he's saying, he's saying, we should direct our effort so that Dhamma can help to treat spiritual diseases directly and quickly. 
Don't leave the aim so undefined that you don't know in which direction to go. And so many times I think I've heard that from people and from myself. Like there's so much to read, there's so much to try and understand. Like what's important? What, do we, what is it we need to know? How can this help us right now, right now today? The next section is called I and Mine. Now we will explain what spiritual disease is and how a single handful of Dhamma can cure it. Spiritual disease is the disease whose germ lies in the feeling of we and ours, of I and mine, that is regularly present in the mind. Now he's getting personal. The germ that is already in the mind develops first into the feeling of I and mine. And then, acting through the influence of self-centeredness, becomes greed, hatred, and delusion, causing trouble, trouble for both oneself and others. These are the symptoms of the spiritual de- disease that lies within us. To remember it easily, you can call it the disease of I and mine. Every one of us has the disease of I and mine. We absorb more germs every time we see a form, hear a sound, smell an odor, touch a tangible object, taste a flavor, or think in the manner of an ignorant person. In other words, we receive the germs from those surrounding things that infect us and cause the disease every time there is sense contact. A Pali word for contact, a sense contact, is fasa. We must recognize this germ. Thanks, Eva. She put the PDF up again. We must recognize this germ, which is clinging, upadana, and see that it is of two kinds. Attachment to I and attachment to mine. Attachment to I is the feeling that I is a special entity, that I am like this or like that, that I am the greatest or something of the sort. Mine is taking something as belonging to me, that which I love, that which I like. Even that which we hate is regarded as my enemy. All this is called mine. So even those negative things we take on as belonging to us, that's... That's a, a good thing to think about. Do we want to, this is my enemy, this is my problem, this is my, whew. that sounds like a burden, doesn't it? In the Pali language, I is Atta and mine is atan, Ataniya. Atta and Ataniya. As an alternative, we may use the terms generally used in Indian philosophy. The word ahamkara, eyeing, means having or making the feeling of I. And it stems from the word ahang, I. The word mamamkara, mamankara, means myeing, having or making the feeling of mine, of mine. And it stems from the word mama, mine, 
So we can, we can make the feeling of I and we can make the feeling of mind. We're creating that within us. The feeling of eyeing and myeing, those, the feelings of eyeing and myeing are so dangerous and poisonous that we call them the spiritual disease. Every branch of philosophy and Dhamma in the Buddha's time wanted to wipe them out. Even followers of other creeds had the same aim of wiping out, eyeing and myeing. The difference between other creeds and Buddhism is that when they eradicated those feelings, they called what remained the true self, the pure Atman, the person. Buddha refused to use these names because it didn't want to cause he didn't want to cause any new attachment to self or things belonging to a self. This, so the Buddha didn't use those terms. He didn't use the term uh, a person, a self, a true Atman. There was no need to cause any new attachment to self or things belonging to a self. The state free of eyeing and mying and is considered simply to be a perfect voidness. So the state of being free from that, this is me, this is mine, the absence of that, the state of being free of that eyeing and mying is considered simply to be a perfect voidness. So that's what the word, uh, the voidness, what we're talking about. This voidness is called Nibbana, as in the phrase, Nibbana is a supreme voidness. Nibbana is absolutely void of I and void of mine in every possible respect without any remainder. Such is Nibbana, the end of spiritual disease. This matter of I or mine is very hard to see. It is, isn't it? No matter how much we read about it, how much we think we understand about it, we always come back to, uh, done far, I'm far from it, right? The, this matter of I or mine is very hard to see. If you don't take a genuine interest in it, you won't be able to understand that it is the force behind dukkha, the power behind spiritual disease. So, this is we're right in the middle of this chapter, but I don't want to talk and read more and not be able to sit together. So, I'm leaving us... Uh, Right there, this matter of I or mine is very hard to see. This is page 13 in the book. If you don't take a genuine interest in it, you won't be able to understand that it is the force behind dukkha, suffering. It is the power behind spiritual disease. So we'll continue on Thursday, but think about this. What causes suffering is when we see things with that lens of eyeing and mying everything. So, this is my problem. This is my 
this is my area of control. These, this is, these are my children, my husband, my family. Uh, this is my enemy. This is my suffering, my pain. So everything we see, we see through those lenses. So this is going to help us all reach a better understanding and then realization and digestion, as he puts it. So why don't we sit together? We can sit for about, let's, if you have to leave, uh, we can just begin to sit. And then when I have to stop in about 10 minutes, then you can continue if it's a good time for you. And let's just be with the breath. I think working with the breath is going to be one of our best best helps in terms of working with the thinking. When we see this thinking arising, when we're meditating, it's usually something that can just become thinking. So we might as well just be sitting at our desk uh, just thinking things. So working with the breath can be our number one way to uh, become aware when we're just ruminating and thinking during meditation. When we lose track of our breath, if we're counting our breath and we lose track of it, then we know we've become distracted. And it might be from our thinking, just letting thoughts creep in, which is natural for our brain to want to do. So we're, um, we're working with our stubborn brains. So let's sit and just allow yourself to find a posture where you feel like you're lifted up and you can be walking. You can be on a busy train. You can be in the midst of a lot of noise and still be able to practice. I'm really practicing rolling my shoulders back because they need to be rolled back, but also to just increase all of this space for breath so my lungs can just feel fill, fill up more uh, easily just with my natural breath. Remember, it's okay to count the breath. And that way you know when you forget the number you're on, then you know, let's start over because something distracted you. It might be a sound. It might be a fragrance or a smell. It could be maybe a change in the temperature or a breeze blowing in your face or or becoming uh, stuffy and it affects how your skin feels. You might suddenly have something that you really need to to scratch. That can be a distraction. And then if the mind begins to think, often triggered by some other sense contact, then we become distracted from one breath to the next. Inhale one, exhale one. Only count up to five breaths 
and start over. Or Robert Thurman suggests 10 breaths and start over again at one. Don't try to count beyond that because it gets a little, makes it a little too complicated. relaxing, keep staying with your breath stay with the count of your breath so you're not cheating and if you become distracted and lose count then start over again
stay with your breath. Whatever is going on outside of yourself, Be aware of it and let it go. As we end our time together, may all of you be well and happy and at peace today. And may everything that we say and do and think be done not only for our own benefit and our own harmlessness, but also for the benefit of all sentient beings. Thank you. So I'll be with you uh, Thursday and we will complete, maybe we'll complete chapter two. See you then. It's good to see all of you. Bye-bye.